Let's take a look at the board. And the categories are... Potent Potables. Joey, you like movies about gladiators. You're no messiah, you're a, you're a movie of the week. So you listen to me and you listen well. Look, well, let's not stand on ceremony, mate. Let's start the show. Well, howdy, everybody. This is the Potent Pictures Podcast. Uh, this is part two of our Dunkirk uh, discussion. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll get right back into it for you. As we're talking about this Murder on the Orient Express filmed in the 65 millimeter, uh, interestingly enough, the film we actually just are here to review, um, uh, Dunkirk, was actually filmed in 70 uh, millimeters. So I think this might be a nice little uh, little tirade or a little turn into uh, the, the the movie we're actually going. So how uh, how did y'all actually feel about this? Uh, I know some of us were we were having a big discussion in terms of the the filming of this. So um, between a 70 millimeter and the IMAX uh, of Dunkirk, uh, let's let's keep it the the spoilers a little uh, on the on the minimal side. But in terms of actually viewing it for us, uh, who actually saw it in 70 millimeter and uh, who saw it in IMAX? Out of curiosity, due to the way in which I saw this movie, which I will touch on in a little bit, I unfortunately did not see it in either. So I saw it in normal. Well, it was it was Sony 4K, so you know fancy digital projector, but it was not. It wasn't IMAX and it was not 70 millimeter. Did you guys see it in either of those? I saw it in Cinemark at Cinemark XD. So like that's, I don't think that's, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's high quality. It's big screen, you know, it's still good, but not quite the IMAX slash 70 millimeter. What about you, Matt? I actually got to see it. So they didn't do a, they didn't have a lot of showings with the 4K. I'm sorry. <laughs> so used to home theater talk and Peter just talking about 4K Sony um, cinema. Actually, so they didn't have a lot of IMAX 70 millimeters. You know, they did have the wide IMAX release of the film. They had some 70 millimeter showings, um, but there were only about like 31 screens that had the IMAX and 70 millimeter. So it was basically, you know, film instead of a lot of the other IMAXs having the digital um, film to show. This was actually the film IMAX giving it. And so in Dallas, luckily we had one of the one of those 31s in the country, and I got to go see it. It was a little bit of a drive for me. But it was it was definitely worthwhile. It was very cool to see. Uh, like I said, I, you know, I got to see that road show with um, the Hateful Eight. This is obviously a grander scale than that. Uh, and with the addition of IMAX, it just it looked phenomenal. And we'll talk a, a little bit about some of the scenes. Um, and I know XD is pretty close too. So, but in terms of the 70 millimeter plus the size, it was it was it was pretty awesome. If, if it's you know if you're in a town that where it's an option, I would definitely recommend it. And um, I know it's a little it costs a little bit more, but I think it's worthwhile, and uh, the one downside was you did have three trailers. I was kind of hoping it was going to be like the Hateful Eight where we didn't get any, but we did have a few, but uh, three compared to the normal eight or so that I feel like I've been seeing. I wanted to ask you if, you you know, the second the film started, could you really see a difference? I mean, obviously when IMAX scenes come in, you can, you know what IMAX is, but from a 70 millimeter standpoint, could you see quality difference? Was it you know, the grain of the film, like what, what was it that you caught or maybe just in general, just looked good. I mean, I'd imagine it was a placebo effect for sure, but um, (laughs) you kind of, you kind of feel like that old film style that we all, you know, we did use before digital was so predominant when you were younger, we did go and see it. Um, And this was just for every movie because every movie was shot on film and then projected on it. Um, But, you know, even with the trailers, you actually kind of see like the shake of the film um, as it's, you know, getting, you know, I don't know, you see the green, uh, preview logo you see that move a little bit whereas on digital you don't really have that um, so just something about that feels more I don't know 
natural or more like a it's pompous but it's and it's probably just placebo if, if you i could probably easily be fooled one way or the other if somebody told me it was 70 millimeter and they showed me digital i'd probably be like oh yeah that was so much better but <laughs> um you know even even knowing that i thought it was well worth it obviously if, if your choice is a standard um 70 millimeter showing versus a digital imax i would go to digital imax just because christopher nolan just you know, you've probably seen his Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises scenes, as well as some of the Interstellar, I think, had some as well for the IMAX sequences. Um, there were fewer of them, but, you know, they all they all looked phenomenal. Um, and this movie is way more than I expected on IMAX. Um, and so that's definitely the, the, real, the real winner here. Um, but just something about seeing it on that 70 millimeter just kind of feels more like an experience, if that makes sense. And I'll, I'll, again, I'll admit, probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you didn't tell me, but um, something about it was nice. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that, too, because, I mean, I, we talked about it briefly before we started, but I saw Interstellar on an IMAX screen and it happened to also be 75 millimeter cause, or 70 millimeter because that was, again, one of the selling points, although that one by Nolan had nowhere near as much IMAX and or 70 millimeter uh content but regardless you could definitely see a difference and i think to your point there's some placebo in there but at the same time um you know there was there was some scenes in there especially the dark scenes where if you had a dig it's digitally shot it's they can you know alter it and make it a lot brighter whereas when you get the film it's usually you know kind of washed or kind of washed out kind of grainy and there's something about that that lends itself to the to the feel of the film and interstellar there's a lot of scenes like that and i think it kind of added some flair to it if you will but and i, I completely agree and, and just you know they do sometimes transfer to digital to make those effects and then transfer it back to film so you're not always safe from those digital color changes and sequence um you know saturation changes and things like that but uh now that you mentioned i actually saw interstellar at this exact same theater in the same imax and during the showing i think they gave us like a, a one of the imax um frames or something like that um when you walked out it was kind of a i have no idea where it is it's probably in a drawer somewhere but uh pretty pretty cool you know it's a huge it's a huge single film uh size you know for an imax you, you can look it up it's it's pretty pretty cool definitely nice. great resolution and the grains you know the grain on film is really nice it feels natural and all that versus you know the how pure and clean a picture looks on digital which has its you know has its purpose, right? Valerian would feel weird with a lot of grain, but something like this and a lot of the movies Nolan does and, um, you know, definitely have, it's part of the, the cinematographer's choice and you kind of see that come through in the story. Do y'all know if, like, in, in terms of like a World War II movie, was Saving Barbara Ryman actually filmed with um, in this type of format as well? Do we know? I mean, it wouldn't have been IMAX, um, but it was definitely film. I don't know if it was 70 millimeter or 65 or 35, okay. but... Um, it was definitely film because the first movie shot on all digital was actually uh, Miami Vice. Oh wow! So it's not that not that long ago. Going back to that, I think if you think of a war type movie in which it's on film, Saving Private Ryan, that 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 first D Day opening scene where you kind of get that feeling of that that graininess and um, the the realism, if you if you will, that's what that's kind of what we're talking about. If if anyone's not catching that, well, and I I would just say caveat it with the standard that they'll shoot a, a film in is 35 millimeter. So 
it's pretty unlikely you'll see most stuff recently or even the last 10, 15 years that would be on 70 millimeter. It's kind of a dead format. It's, and I, we can we can put some links. There's actually some really fun YouTube videos that talk about the evolution and, and kind of the way film formats have changed. And basically, uh, for anybody who remembers uh, Betamax and VHS, which is really early in our days, or HD DVD and Blu-ray, uh, film formats were the same thing. So certain studios would kind of say, this is our format, and it, it was a certain size, and then another one would champion their size, and then, you know, 35 millimeter ended up winning out, but there's a lot of different uh, size films, and it's just kind of uh, a, uh, I don't know, a, a a vestige of the past that just kind of lived on, and certain people like it, so. I was just saying, some directors don't want to make the switch, or just feel like that's, you know, the art form that they want to take, right? Because this is their art. It's entertainment for us, but this is their, you know, art, art from their perspective. And it's just like if somebody was painting on um, canvas, uh, they wouldn't want to be forced to digital, um, you know, some sort of art, right? It's, it's like as, beautifully, as corny as that beautifully is, right? put. I like beautifully your attempt put. at analogy, at the analogy there. That's Matt. that's how deep and and cultured I am when it comes to those kinds of things. But just to, just to tag on to what Peter was saying. Um, 35 was the standard and um, Saving Private Ryan was filmed on 35. And just so you know, if you even if you do go to see a movie at a, a kind of an older theater that maybe doesn't have a digital projector, um, they still do transfer to 35 millimeter film. So when I worked at a movie theater in college, it was all 35 millimeter film, mm. uh, right? Like the year I, like the year I quit um, to potentially move on to better things, maybe worse things. We'll see. Um <laughs> They just got a digital projector in one of their, their newer, bigger theaters. They upgraded from a 35-millimeter film. So they still have to do the 35-millimeter transfers regardless of what the film shot on. So it is still, you know, we're moving to digital, but it is still one of the standards. By the way, Matt, nice uh, nice drop. Um, worked in a movie theater. Not a big not a big deal. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's, that's correct. So... Ladies out there, there was a point in my life where I made minimum wage. Think and about got to it. see hey, movies oh, for free. Man, did you though? Now you Ser- wish you could Serenity. see movies for free. Serenity was actually the first movie I saw for free. <laughs> and nice. There we go. Talk about things that are That's irrelevant. Whoa. Serenity. Whoa. 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 I, I do. Wow. No, do I'm, I'm thinking of serendipity. Sorry. I was like, man. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> I was like, John Cusack Whoa, what, and Kate Beckinsale. What's wrong with John Cusack? What the hell? <laughs> Nothing. Well, a lot's wrong with John Cusack, but Kate Beckinsale, not not, not too bad. <laughs> That's a decent. Uh, movie. Fair enough. I, I want to drop one more. I want to drop one more nerd okay, bomb, Dave, because I know you're Go trying to you're trying to educate folks on the difference. So for anybody who kind of gets it, right? So you've got 1080p TV, and now you've got a 4K TV. So the difference between 70 millimeter film and normal 35 millimeter 35 millimeter film is basically it's like a 6k screen and 70 millimeter film is like a 13k screen so it's that's i mean that the level of detail you're getting out of it is crazy and then an imax 70 millimeter is 18k so for for what that's worth it's just it's a prettier picture very true and just to remember that 18k that's that's an additional five horizontally in the height so the actual width is the same but the uh the height's much larger is that correct peter or am i completely 
screwing you that up. You are correct. Look at that. You guys lost See, me. At, uh, you guys lost me at like this is like the 4K thing. So I'm, I'm just completely out <laughs> on this conversation. Educating. But, uh, we are I'm educating. Sure we're getting people here. No, we're educating while we're entertaining. So moving along, or we're do- we, we might even be doing neither. Yeah, fair enough. Most likely, I'm leaning towards Matt. <laughs> fine, fine. Anyway, so but anyway, how about this awesome movie we saw? That's this where I was heading. Thank you for uh, swinging us in there, Shawnee. So, okay, out of curiosity, does anyone really you know have any background on this? Um, we know Sean doesn't believe that the war started until uh, uh, 1940. That's not true. 19, I, 1941, it, say, when uh, the the U.S. entered the war. Just saying. I like, in all honesty, though, you know, I'm, a, I'm a history minor <laughs> in college, so I did take a couple. Uh, I did take a World War History II class, uh, and I understand the the severity of the situation was. This was basically um, when when the the Blitzkrieg was in full effect when they went around uh, the Maginot Line, um, which some of you guys might remember uh, you, are was you, built after are, the uh, World War One. Are you trying to imply that the impenetrable wall <laughs> that the French built along their border, known as the Maginot Line? could not be penetrated from the frontal assault, but in fact um, may have been walked around through Belgium? Uh, every diaphragm has a hold, Dave. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, the uh, Yeah, but that obviously that, that is a good point. Yeah, so basically the impenetrable wall was penetrated by the, by the Germans and uh, they pinned the German army back so far back that when the, when the, British sent their troops over. They were too late, more or less, so they all got pinned on the Dunkirk beach, which is what led us to this event. That's real. It's a it's a real quick thing that they, you know, the the whole story behind it was that it was the evacuation of the of the British and well, mainly British uh, army out of Dunkirk and how they brought in. If you saw this movie, it's all British. No, no French were evacuated. Well, true. There was almost one. There was almost one. But yes, um, you know Spoiler alert. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, it's it's mainly about the the evacuation of these and they brought in the civilian uh the civilian fleet to come in and help help the British fleet because mainly they were realizing it was not exactly a uh, a winning situation. So it, it, it worked out perfect I mean not perfectly but very well in the end for um in history and this movie was a would you say it was a fair representation of it sean based on your your historical knowledge of the uh the situation i mean it was a shit show yeah like from what i understand is that it was one of the worst military um like coops ever i guess so i would say that yes it was a fair representation that there was how many i mean how many hun- like was there Thirty thousand troops on the beach. I forget uh, how many four hundred. Four hundred thousand. Was it four hundred thousand on the beach? Okay. Four hundred thousand on the beach, and but thirty. But, but no. But you were you were correct because thirty to forty thousand was what um, uh, Churchill was actually requesting that they bring back. So okay. they were considering that what what is that ten percent of the uh, of the people that were there would be considered what they only needed to continue defending England in the. Um, highly likely event that the Germans would eventually start bombing uh, or invading England because, you know, at this point they've already pushed through and taken over um, at this point, Belgium and uh, the Netherlands. Uh, now they're moving their way into France. So, you know, complete control of Western Europe yeah. was, compl- was was inevitable. And that's the thought process that most of the, the leaders in England were feeling. So, But to answer your initial question, yes, this is a fair representation of the, of the, the event itself. I mean, there's 
so this is unique because it's we talked about this jokingly earlier, but there's been so many World War II movies with the sort of the Americans tied to it, but there's ne- there's never been any really World War II movies without the Americans. And I mean, a lot of these great movies that we t- like kind of, you know, the great movies that have been made, we mentioned Saving Private Ryan, another great movie, similar, uh, similar concept more in the Pacific theater was The Thin Red Line, uh, you know, Schindler's List, Empire of the Sun is another, is this Spielberg joint with a uh, Christian Bale, who's a Nolanite. Um, but there's a lot of good World War II movies, but this is really the first one that, you know, we've kind of delved into something before the Americans entered the war. But uh, what about you guys? What did you guys think about the 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 overall World War II movie itself and Dunkirk being uh, being included in that whole genre, I guess? I mean, I don't think it's, there's not really much of an opinion you can have on it, right? It, it happened during World War II. It, it, it fits the genre. Um, but really the, the more interesting was, you know, you know, going to school in the U S growing up here, there's certainly a, you know, a lot of battles that, especially those that took place prior to the U S entering the, uh, entering world war two that didn't have really any familiarity with it. And when this movie was announced, it was definitely one of those had no idea what, uh, you know, well, you know, until you see the trailer, you didn't really have much, uh, knowledge about the, um, the events at Dunkirk and, uh, was kind of, you know, interested to learn more. So, Got to do so. Got to, you know, obviously the trailer kind of gave you the premise uh, without giving anything away. Um, I didn't really look into it beyond that because I kind of wanted to go into the uh, the movie knowing nothing about history and uh, pretty much did just that and looking forward to talking about it a little bit more. Actually, that was where I was going to ask, did anybody uh, read up on this prior to uh, going into the movie? Other than uh, Sean, obviously, because and myself who kind of had a little bit more background information on it. Um, uh Peter, did you uh did you happen to read any upon this uh, prior to it, or did you just want to go in kind of like Matt, kind of blank and go let's see what I learned? Yeah, I, I was the same thing with Matt. I mean, it it would have been interesting to know some of the nuances to maybe kind of compare and contrast in terms of what actually happened historically. But at the same time, it's nice to go in and not know what's going to happen in the end, right? So, uh, and I thought it was it was really enjoyable not really having a context for what happens in this battle obviously you know matt brought it up the trailer kind of lets you know what's going on and kind of the main plot line but i didn't know if there was a major you know skirmish that would happen during it or if there was going to be any sort of a dramatic event that was built in the into the historical event so you know not knowing that detail was actually pretty nice to to have going into it so so yeah, I mean, I, and I did the same thing for Titanic, and it worked out pretty well. So that was quite the surprise. So. <laughs> you know, we joke about it, and the fact that that was one of the biggest kind of uh, pop culture references before the movie came out, which is how is this going to be successful? Everybody knows the end, and then it becomes one of the most highest-grossing movies of all time. Even though you know, again, it's based on an event everybody knows about. So. You know, we can kid, but yeah. James Cameron, he knows how to make the dollars. Yeah, but say, let me tell you a little secret. James Cameron is a magician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Avatar is terrible, but people still love it. Ooh. But anyway. All right. So, okay. So, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about maybe our, our expectations and everything in there, but what was y'all's initial thoughts of the actual movie itself? So, regardless of the historical context and everything like that, from a movie perspective, what did, what did y'all think? Um, it is a Christopher Nolan movie. So... Did y'all have any, you know, higher than normal expectations going in about how he was going to film this and whatnot or the storytelling he was going to do? 
For me, when I first heard that this was going to be his next movie, to be honest, I was a little bummed because I'm I'm a fan of the properties that he's done to date. I mean, I think when you look at his back catalog, he's got some drama, some serious dramas when you look at um, Insomnia and Memento. But then, you know, Dark Knight obviously is a little more you know, based on a comic book, obviously. So there's very heavy, heavy in fiction. Uh, Inception is another one of those almost, I, I almost say sci-fi in certain ways. Uh, and then you've got Inception or not Inception, but um, Interstellar. So when he, they announced this, you know, my first thought was this is a historical movie. So it's going to be, has to be grounded in reality. We won't get to see some of those, um, you know, fanciful, you know, ideas and, and kind of sci-fi uh, tones. So I, I was a little bummed, but, you know, after seeing the movie, um, you know, I, it kind of changed my tune. So, so yeah, I mean, going into Nolan movies, I'm always a fan. I, I like what he does, but I will say, uh, you know, this one, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And I think he did a, a pretty great job taking something historical and, and, and not putting out the same sort of movie that you would have expected from other people. So, um, uh, Matt, I don't know about, what about you? Yeah, I was actually kind of in the same boat coming into it. So the announcement had no idea what it was, so I didn't know what to think. Um, coming out of you know his most recent films, um, and then seeing that this the trailers, um, they were pretty grand the way they were presented, right? They, they, um, the the stopwatch, the 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 clock ticking noise, and just the flashing between the text and the you know few visual aspects of the movie didn't really care what you know i was gonna see it because it's christopher nolan but the the trailer didn't get me too excited it wasn't until um i read one thing and uh that i got excited or a little more excited which was um i tried to steer clear of the the um reviews but i did hear one review where somebody referenced a timeline or a kind of timelines intertwining um and that's kind of when i was like oh yeah it's a christopher nolan movie we're gonna get some kind of a an interesting storytelling perspective he always does a good job with uh uh, some some time time play like Memento as as Peter referenced, and um, a few other things like you know Prestige that I've talked about before. So was a little more interested um, after that kind of uh, was revealed or noted by somebody, and um, was thoroughly pleased by the movie. You know we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, was was pretty happy walking out. Um, I was really happy it did a good job living up to the the trailers and and well beyond that or exceeding my expectations from the trailers and you know it, it was a it was a good uh a good return to world war ii i know we just had one from uh with hacksaw ridge from mel gibson but there was definitely a, a long uh, gap of uh world war ii movies where we had a lot in the late 2000s um with some of the ones that uh, sean mentioned and um we have two years in a row where we have some good good movies obviously it's a it's a you know it's a dark subject matter with war um but Christopher Nolan did a good, uh, a great job telling a story in his style. Um, just as Mel Gibson did a good job last year with Hacksaw Ridge, you know, we had the uh, Pacific theater and now we're back to the European theater and looking forward to talk more about, uh, some, uh, some world war two action without, without the Americans, which is rare. So, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here, but like to, to your point, Matt, like, I think we, you know, it's always nice to jump back into the European theater since that was seems for, you know, someone like myself, I mean, nostalgia hits or not nostalgia but like you know both my grandfathers were in the pacific theater so i'm always like partial to see stories about the pacific theater because i feel like it's the forgotten theater not really forgotten but like the less discussed theater 
um, because of the Nazis were such a prevalent vi- like villain. So it's always uh, you get better stories when there's a, a villain, like a set villain. Um, but I think overall going in the movie, everybody knows that you sort of know the fact that it's a rescue mission. There's all these troops, you know, how, like what happens after that is kind of um, where they're looking to go. So the, the, the story itself, you know, you know, it going in, it's really interesting to see how they, you know, really were able the real story is how they were able to get people off the, the beaches of, uh, of France, because the, the German, as we all, as we've read about in history books, the German air force was, was pretty strong. Um, but for the military prowess of the, um, the, the, United Kingdom, it's really their Navy and their Air Force because their troops were always like their army really wasn't when you're an island nation, you really rely on your Navy and your Air Force. So like it's interesting to see that all of them come together. So I really enjoyed that part of it. But like the, uh, you know, it, it really is just like an action movie. You, you kind of understand the story and you just see it progress. And that's to your point or to all you guys, Peter and Matt it's it's Christopher Nolan's ability to tell a story that's really what gets people hooked and that's what got me hooked so I really enjoyed that portion of it but uh Dave what about you what were your thoughts so initially going in I was um I, I was kind of waiting to see what the Nolan spin on this particular movie was going to be because he he, t- he has a very interesting way of telling the story um so I was very um concerned almost in the fact because again like as we were talking like kind of with like titanic and stuff like that um you know it's it's a movie we all know the the ending to you know we, we know or at least for from my aspect i knew what was the ending in this particular movie so i was kind of intrigued to see what his his like nolan-esque spin on the whole situation was and you know that i realized it once going in is that it was the timeline of that it was all all happening and Thoroughly enjoyed the heck out of that. Um, I was concerned going in. They were really, really, really pushing this movie. And in terms of marketing, going from that whole aspect, it's I was a little little concerned going into it. But it, I think, you know, it, to me it sold it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, that movie was an hour and 45 minutes long. It really kept you completely entertained the entire time, even though without a lot of the finer points that we'll get into in, in a little bit. And once we move into a little bit of spoilers, but you know, there's um, just aspects of it that really keeps you entertained, even though there's very little um, like action and 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 uh, and dialogue in this entire movie. The the whole thing comes together in in a Nolan esque type manner, and you're always intrigued by his movies. Whether we've all seen them, you know, Memento was you know was, was brought up, uh, The Prestige, um, and oh god, Inception. I mean, if you th- if you could just go through all of his movies, and they're all great, um, this one's up there with it. It's his historical, um, we'll call it his historical fiction on it, because, you know, we'll go with that. But it really actually entertained the heck out of me, and it seems like that was the overall thing, is that everybody was very entertained by this movie. There was no minute where I was like, okay, there was, um, you know, there's 10 minutes of something that I don't, I don't, we don't need to see this. It was always moving. For hour and 45 minutes, you were constantly entertained and constantly pulled into this particular movie and i think that's something that he always has done in his films that's that's my overall into it but i guess we can move into spoilers so um in terms of what i had just previously mentioned unfortunately was in regards to i don't care i'm gonna jump in here i'm really excited my favorite part of the whole thing was the air scene like the 
spoiler alert, like we're in the spoilers, but I like my favorite part of the whole movie was the fact that uh, Tom Hardy, which again, shout out to Christopher Nolan for covering up Tom Hardy, who's probably the biggest star of the movie is covering up his face again. But uh, the, uh, that, that whole sequence with the, the Royal, um, the Royal Air Force and the, uh, the Nazis, uh, uh, planes. I, I like that was that was the coolest part of the movie. So we can kind of talk about how it was broken down in terms of the uh, segmentation of the film. How the the land was sort of like the week, the sea was the day, and then the air was the hour. But that was my favorite part of the movie. Tom Hardy's the guy. Tom Hardy is he he can say no words and still can carry a film. So let me ask this question: When when that popped up, when they actually stated the the timeline type situation, did y'all under actually stand understand what was actually happening when it first popped up? Uh, I kind of did. Yeah, I kind of was like, okay, like is this what they're trying to do? And then when it as it played out, I picked up on it. So um, I went. This is the first movie I've actually seen with someone in a while. So so I uh, I saw this with my roommate, and he he because we were talking afterwards. I was like, did you pick that up from the jump? He's like, I kind of thought about it, but he's like, I didn't really realize that that's what it was. Um, but, you know, it, it was interesting being able to play this. Like when you're walking out of the theater, playing it, playing off what you saw with someone else. It's always nice because, I mean, half the time it's just basically like I see movies and then I just kind of like will Google it or like text you guys. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I kind of picked up on it and I didn't really understand where that like I, I picked up on what they were doing, but I didn't realized it was going to come together as well as it did, which um, is a testament to, like we talked about, Christopher Nolan's storytelling. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that part of it. Um, but the air, the air portion, like I was saying, the the whole concept, that, that the hour's worth of time, you know, the, the, the constant clock that's on them. Yeah, that was my favorite part. But uh, let's ask uh, let's ask someone else. Matt, what do you think, think about the, what was your favorite part of the movie? What did you enjoy? I mean, you, you call me up for my favorite. That's that's tough. I will say when we were talking about the format in which I saw it, um, I was pretty excited about seeing Tom Hardy in, in 70 millimeter IMAX. I didn't want to call that out <laughs> early bad. because um, man, so much you really, movie, if, if if his face is covered up for 70% of the movie, is it really, are you really it seeing it? It was such a disappointment that is, he's still look, he's still a good looking guy with his face covered up, but man, does his Did face stare get into his like Is it becoming a joke by uh christopher nolan just to cover up tom hardy's face like it's it's gotta uh, be he's he's gotta call him up and be like hey tom i've got another role for you um your face is covered let's let's get this let's get this going um (laughs) they just but you know we didn't hear him talk a lot but he didn't have a weird accent so that was kind of nice too i actually understood him for the most part when he was talking the five or six words he said tom tom hardy's counterpart he had more of a, like a Scottish accent, and I, I kept laughing. I was like, I, I guess this is, you know, you, you kind of the. I always forget the royal, uh, the the Royal Air Force was, you know, not just English people. It's Irish people, Scottish people. It's the whole United Kingdom. But yeah, that those accents always throw me off when there's multiple United Kingdom accents. Guys, I gotta, I have to add a little Easter egg. Did you guys hear? Who was who? The uh, guest star in the movie that was talking to Tom Hardy over the radio? No, but who? No, the guy, the leader. You mean that they never shared? Yeah, that, uh, I I, know, yeah, I noticed. I didn't it. pick up. I noticed on it. it as well. Yeah, Michael Caine. Yep. It's Christopher Nolan's best wow. buddy ever. Oh yeah, and, he's, I, and I, he's in all those movies too. I'm surprised I didn't even think about that. 
He's literally in, I think he's in almost everything he's ever done. But it was funny because, you know, they're on the radio and they're talking to their commander. And like you said, Sean, they never they never give a name and they never show him. But the first time I heard him, I'm like, that's got to be Michael Caine. And then I came home and one of the first articles that I read today was, um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, Easter egg, Michael Caine is in this movie. So hmm, interesting. I did not realize that it didn't it did not pick up. On my, on my end, I think he literally has like five lines of dialogue, oh, yeah. so it's not yeah. it's not surprising. Which I mean, aside from Mark Rylance, um and his the boys he was with, um, I think he, that might put him fourth on lines in the movie. But uh, <laughs> That's which true, actually. which actually brings us to an interesting swing into it is that the you know, I mean, in terms of total dialogue, do y'all actually think this had less dialogue than uh, Mad Max in in the amount of actual words said in this entire film? Because Mad Max was... Um, Mad Max is pretty low, so I, I would probably guess that uh, this movie had more dialogue. But um, yeah, what do you guys think? I, I, I would say this is I, above it also. I think... Just because of Mark Rylance, really. Yeah. I mean, true, true, true. I mean, I think, he, I, think he said, I think he said George more than anybody spoke in Mad Max. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, I, I, something about the way he said George was very soothing, which, it which felt also weird. <laughs> it, no. So I was like, did, can, I just, can I just hire him to say George to me sometimes? It's not even so my name, anyone, but I feel like it would be a fun, just a fun experience. In your guys' theaters, did anyone like do the, like when they showed Harry Styles on screen, did anybody go, woo? Because I had one person no, that did that. And I, so throw I didn't even realize he was in it. I feel... So much better about oh, myself. Oh, come on now. Harry Styles was the whole... He's the... Harry, for those who don't know, Harry Styles, One Direction, heartthrob. Um, but yeah, he was uh, one of the British, the young British soldiers that they met when um, they were getting off the the dock sort of into the second ship. Yeah, I recognized him, but I had no idea who he was. So, yeah. yeah I, I just I just had to look uh, him he's up the right Mick now. Mick Jagger of, the, of this Wait, millennial which generation. One, which one was he? <laughs> I'm totally, I'm totally not. He was the other soldier that was, uh, they met. So there's the two kids, one who's the French guy and then the, the English guy. <laughs> and then the other one that oh, they meet yeah. along the way. The, yeah. want the great hair. On the yeah. yeah, eventually the on the train. Face and okay. the great bone structure. You. Okay. The one that Sean asked on a date and it was turned out. No, but uh, Poor Sean. you don't know you're beautiful. I, I don't. It's I don't. One Direction song. Shout out. I might have seen them in concert before. No big deal. I will say, I mean, he didn't he didn't do a terrible job. Granted, again, no, I thought he was actually pretty good. Lines of dialogue, yeah, it was pretty, I did. pretty good. And to that, I think they actually all did a good job. And I know you can. It's it's easy to argue. That it's easy, you know, a lot of the acting failures come with terrible line delivery, but they had to do a lot of actions and and um, you know, portray a lot of uh, kind of I don't know emotion with, without speaking. Um, and I think they all did a phenomenal job. I don't think I have any complaints. Uh, on that regard so one way i actually explain this so you actually bring up an interesting thing is that the one way i explain this is like you feel the you know while you're in there you actually feel the anxiousness that they're all feeling you know what i mean they they definitely delivered that in terms of like you're you're hoping that you know you see that you know the for instance that scene where they're in the boat or in the ship and they they get brought into the bottom of the ship that the larger one that uh ended up getting torpedoed um and when his friend goes and stands outside the the door you can kind of you, you kind of get that feeling like ooh yeah I would I would kind of do that too and they, they all move kind of closer toward the door because he's looking for the escape hatch because none of them trust that this boat's actually going to make it uh, across the channel. Oh, I was, I was I'm glad you mentioned that because that was going to be the exact scene I was going to um, when you when you were talking about it that was exactly what came to mind because the entire time I was like 
man, if I was that young kid, I would definitely think my dad was telling me to lock the door. Um, cause I'm uncomfortable around him. I better lock the door. And then when he's trying to get out, I would be, I'd piss my pants and probably not open the door. He, he was more of a man than I was or would have been, but <laughs> I, I kind of want to add on to that. Cause you know, about just the, the feeling, the, the way they kind of transfer the feelings of the, the cast onto the viewer. Cause you know, you're asking what's everybody's favorite part in the movie. And I was trying to put my finger on it, but it's, it's funny, uh, talking with my wife as we leave the theater and the, What's really interesting to me about this movie is that you could have taken this a lot of different ways. And you think of, uh, you know, say Saving Private Ryan, for instance. So the, the premise of that is it's a very personal story, right? It's not about the big battle that wins the war. It's more about finding this one person and kind of the close connections of the of the team. But in that movie, it's still very much an action movie, right? It, it follows them throughout multiple skirmishes and, you know, you're losing people along the way and yada, yada, yada. This movie is a similar thread in that, you know, again, it's not talking about the one battle that saved the war. It's talking about, um, you know, I, I guess for us Americans, it's not a really well-known thing. And for anybody else in the world, it's something they probably know about. Are oh, you talking but about it's, losing? It's still... Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> hashtag back to back world war ii champions <laughs> no but i mean if you guys kind of get where i'm going with it you know it picks up on this this smaller storyline about you know it's a bigger storyline in terms of saving three hundred thousand plus people but it's it's the 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 more intimate setting of these different crew and i think if you would have given this to say for instance you know hexaw ridge you give this to like a mel gibson they they may have focused in on potentially some of the the uh the soldiers that were holding the line in the city or or you know more action packed areas and instead it focuses a lot on these you know not big fancy set pieces but these very personal intimate moments that still have a lot of stakes and to your point Dave it still gets you kind of sitting at the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens but you're not you know, inundated with explosions and gunfire and, you know, all these superhero action moments, it's more the the subtle pieces. So I, it's just a long way to say, I think this really is impressive in the way it captures you without doing a lot of the crazy things that I think people are expecting in a summer blockbuster. And it also kind of justifies, you know, that that's why this has a smaller budget because they didn't they didn't have to spend a bunch of money on CG. It's it's very real settings and real, um, you know, set pieces. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I was thoroughly impressed with it. It wasn't my favorite movie by any means. It's not my favorite movie of the summer, but I think I left the theater just kind of being impressed with the way they delivered, you know, the, the content. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and in terms of it being personal, I mean, the movie started out real quick with a guy having to take a dump and he just could not do it. And if that doesn't, if that's not something you can relate to, um, <laughs> Man, you, you need to – I guess you probably eat well already. But um, <laughs> Shout out to Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave's been the most relevant in this poll oh, podcast. Oh, as sad as um, it seems. But actually that, you know, that feeling, that tone was set really early on, as you mentioned, Peter. And I think the best part about it was in that opening scene, you know, these, these – you know, I think uh, four folks are kind of you know, meandering maybe a little bit and obviously past these guard points – um, or checkpoints that, that Peter referenced that we don't really ever see. Um, and they're, they're spotted by German soldiers and they're starting to get fired upon. You never actually see those, those soldiers or those people firing and they just 
they run away uh, you know they retreat i guess is to say and once that happened i was i was pretty excited about the way the movie was taken um you kind of got that sense that the movie was there to not um show these aspects of it you're not going to see the big skirmishes you're not going to see the big battles you might not even see a german soldier uh, at all we we did end up seeing a few in some in some planes but uh it 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 got me pretty excited about the movie and i'm glad that they held to that throughout the rest of the movie we didn't we didn't have those it was a good take and obviously the given the context of this movie you know you may not even want to see uh where those because obviously that's not a good uh, a good place to be since they were you know, having to fall back. So that's not exactly an uplifting aspect of it to see anyway. And so I think the the way they were able to show such a, a strong, powerful war movie without those scenes um, and just showing the people, uh, as you said, Peter, very intimate. And uh, it, was, it was very well done. I'm glad it was a good take. And I mean, you know, obviously both types of film uh, or both contexts uh, are relevant and worth seeing. So it was, it was nice to see this take. I'm glad you you agreed with me because you dropped a poop joke, and I thought I thought I lost you. So I'm <laughs> I'm glad you got some of this. As, as Peter probably suspected, I'm sorry. As Sean probably suspected, had to you know got to do both sometimes. Sometimes you got to run them all out, right? <laughs> uh, nice. I just got to say, like, can can what did you guys think about like Cillian Murphy's role in this film? Like he because he's a pretty big name. I'd say Cillian Murphy's probably one of the, the biggest three names in this movie. And like, I just didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like that. Like, I thought he was kind of like, yeah, like, what about you guys? Did you guys think that he had a compelling role or no? I think, you know, so I, I thought an interesting thing while I was watching this movie and I think it shows like what the, it, it kind of shows that shell shock that they would put in it. Cause you know, the big thing nowadays is the PTSD and everything like that. And they really don't talk much about it in in World War II aspects, you don't really see much about that in terms of over that. So I think this is an interesting take where he kind of shows that this guy has basically been more or less, you know, as they called it, shell shocked in the movie. He, his reactions to it all, like he's he he's freaking out. You know, he was you know the the one little particular part is where he's he's you know commanding and making you know rational decisions, and then all of a sudden he they switch over to where he's you know you know fighting to turn back around and not go into Dunkirk as, you know, to save his fellow, his fellow uh, soldiers. And I think it kind of is a nice way to address like the things that these guys would, would do it. And, you know, the, the, the nice little nod that um, uh, I'm going to forget the, the character's name, the, the captain of the boat of the, uh, the smaller vessel, they just kept referring to George, kept saying George. Uh, Mark yeah. Ryan, yeah. When he kept saying George. George. Yeah. Um, I, George, when he, when George tells him the kid's going to be okay, and I think it's the acknowledgement of this guy doesn't really know what he's doing because he's so shell shocked that I, I thought it was a nice way of showing that. I thought that was the key point that he was showing that they, you know, these were all people that could be affected by the the war that they're actually seeing. Because most of the time, you just see in World War Two movies, you rarely ever see the guys that actually, you know, deal with this. So, like I said, just an interesting, an interesting little take on that, in my opinion. But anybody else have a different uh, opinion on that? No, I mean, I think you're pretty much, I mean, you kind of nailed it on the head, though. Like, I mean, the, we haven't even mentioned Kenneth Branagh, by the way, uh, <laughs> that uh, and his role is like the, the peer master kind of uh, role. But like, it, uh, there's a lot I mean, going he's, on. He's, he's, an, he's an admiral, right? He, he doesn't just master admiral. peers. Yeah. Well, he's, he's sort of like the, yeah, okay, whatever you want to call it. He's a master uh, debater. Um, <laughs> But he's also a, sorry, 
<laughs> all this poop jokes has got me on a 13 year old level so um and yet i and think that the sad part, every, we're laughing at him so it's fine that's <laughs> all right somebody snarked that was me the the <laughs> thanks dave um the the movie has a lot going on i see i i disagreed with what peter was saying earlier about how he didn't think this was one of the better movies of the summer from an all-around like you know movie standpoint it's probably one of the better ones we've seen this movie it, it i'm assuming from what like from what i experienced and from what i read it's going to get some oscar nods um just because it's hard not to because of the it, it's one of those few movies where you get like a oscar caliber film in summertime so i think that the whole overall piece is that this movie is just better than anything else you guys have seen this summer so just saying but anyway uh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, I was just gonna say. I, it's not that I didn't think it was a good movie. It just wasn't my bullshit, favorite. Peter. You but, said you hated it. Fair enough. And, and also, <laughs> don't try I, I to backtrack say, now. I, I will say it, it may be the most well done movie uh, potentially, yeah, uh, but that doesn't make it my favorite. Or um, you know, it doesn't make it my favorite movie of the summer. It doesn't make it my favorite Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan movie, or make it my favorite uh, World War II movie or war movie in general. Um, but it's still in all those, it might be the best. I got to ask real quick, Paul, then what's your favorite movie from Christopher Nolan? We didn't mention this earlier, but uh, it's, I got to ask. I Dark Knight. Hands I down. think that's probably the real answer, but I, I can't get enough of prestige. I talked about this last weekend or last yeah, week. I think. Did. It's, it's probably prestige. I'm, that's I'm, a stay, I'm like, staying I'm silent. On, I'm, on I'm your, staying silent for a little bit. I'm going to let y'all finish. I, this. I'm on Peter's side. I think it, this is a good movie, but Dark Knight is probably that yeah, just the the Dark Knight for me is my favorite because of the fact that there's the tie-in with with like something you care about and you're into like Batman. Plus, it's a really damn good movie. Um, and then you have a like posthumous posthumously the Oscar was awarded to Heath Ledger, um, deserved or not. I mean, it's a great he did, he did a great job with the Joker. So that's you know one of the one of the best magic tricks of all time until John Wick did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and was amazed at himself that he did it the second time. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it, yeah, it, but this movie is a good movie. It's it's the best actual like all around. I think it's one of the best actual all around films we've seen this summer. Um, I know it's not the best movie that like my favorite movie, but it's still a good, really good movie. But sorry, anyway, no, I com- distracted completely you guys agree. From valid point. Yeah. Um, I think you backtracked a little bit there, so I'm glad about that too. Yes, yeah, but um. Dave, I, I, do, I don't think we can accept you. I mean, are you going to go with Memento? Because that's a phenomenal No, so I was well. I was, I was, was actually going to allow you all to argue for a little he bit. He backed out. I thought he was going to go He's with like Dark Knight Rises. Because we all love Robin Williams. No, 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 no. If, if you'll let me get a word in edgewise, I might be able to talk. But I let you all talk because I wanted to see where this was going to end up so I could finalize what the actual real movie that is the best. I mean, it sounds to me like you're stalling because you still don't know. You're I, looking up. Well, I'm actually. So, no, so, I'm, I'm definitely with so, that on this so, one. In actuality, I'm having a difficulty between three of them. And sadly, it's the Dark Knight, the Prestige, and Mementos. Mementos up there. It's always a, it's a, one of my favorites. But the Prestige is always a great movie to come back and watch. But the Dark Knight is just filmed so well. But you know, just to just to stir a little little insurrection, I might go with Memento, just because it was one of my first ones that I saw that were his, and thoroughly and considering it's the second movie I ever made, I'm I'm not surprised. Was it? I think I went the following Memento and then Insomnia. Okay, fair enough. I, and, I did not and, know that. And Insomnia correct. and yeah. the following wasn't, I don't think, released um, technically. Well, I have never seen Insomnia, uh, but, yeah. but um, I've seen images from it and really the, doesn't make me want to watch it. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I don't know if Wait, I want to see the following or in, no, the in, no, or insomnia, insomnia. Okay. Yeah, though I just you know. Side note: I think I'm saying the following because of Kevin Bacon Love, but it's I think it's just called Following. I was just gonna say that's what I thought of. <laughs> Insomnia I, is not D- a movie Dave, that he directed. Dave, I mean, Insomnia I, is perfectly fine. It's probably his weakest film that he's directed, but I think it's I think it's still a very um, Al Pacino, Robin Williams. It's, it's, still a, it's a good, good, good flick. The best movie he Inception's good too. Don't forget that movie. We haven't really talked about that eh. one. But, did you guys not like I, that? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but like Memento, like I was saying, it's just it's it was my first one that I saw his, and I love the fact of the the timeline switch. I, you know, I don't know. I just I enjoy. I've always enjoyed that one. It was one of those ones I can go back and watch. I think we we had it on DVD in college at some point. And just kept rewatching it. So it's you know it's a it, it's kind of like one of those movies that's just kind of close to your heart that you thoroughly enjoy. Um, now, now, Peter, you were you were getting ready to ask me something. I'm intrigued to see to hear what you were you were you were pushing for. No, well, what I wanted to say is uh, you have no reason to to think that you're you know it's a bad choice or or you're stirring things up because that is I completely second that opinion. I mean, if if I wasn't such a huge Nolan Batman fan, I would probably go with Memento. I mean, that'd probably be the the sh- short second. I think it's just. I I love the property of of Batman. It's always been something fun for me. But I mean, Memento was one of those movies that came out while we were in college. It was, you know, had this plot that was very. Did you did you get, go to probably did you go to college original, when you were fourteen? Like, was it that long ago? I just I just never <laughs> seen it first time. <laughs> Memento was okay, Memento was two thousand guys. So Jesus, just to, just to, right. I know we're doing You're a lot right. of Christian okay. Nolan, and I could talk about him all day. Um, and I will say some like Sean mentioned Inception. Uh, as Peter's mentioning, I could go back and forth. It's it's tough to rank them. There's probably four or five that would float between number one, um, without a doubt. I'm not sure if Dunkirk will make it into it, but um, it was a it was a good film. Looking forward to to seeing it again. But sorry, Peter, go go ahead. Just had to had to cut you off there. Well, first of all, I was in college when I was 14. Matt, I'm a savant. In case you didn't, he's know. got 17 Jeez. degrees. On, Leave guys. him alone, okay? Uh, all of them bachelors, <laughs> but and they're all. But they're, they're all, all bachelors because studies. he was like, I don't need no PhD, son, because I don't want to spend no more time in this. I don't need no stinking masters. Yeah, I, maybe maybe not college. Maybe it's, I think, watching it in college. But it's definitely one of those movies where the plot probably isn't the most original plot. It, it definitely feels original. I know there's some other movies that have kind of taken the same spin. In fact, I think there's one with Bill Murray where he's he's got no memory do you guys remember this movie is it kind of a similar one where he's got like a, a memory that resets Which every movie? night are you are you misremembering groundhog that's day? what i was just thinking are you, are you doing the exact no, opposite no, no, of no. Groundhog day? no i think there's a movie i think it's called the man who knew too little or oh something geez the lines. uh yeah i remember that it was that's a, a, joke it was a movie, spoof though. movie um <laughs> oh yes. no yeah it's totally a joke movie but i think it's the same it's a it's a similar plot isn't it it's a similar plot where he he has that same memory disorder. With a short Sounds a lot like disorder. Operation Dumbo Drop. I don't know. Oh, Dennis, Dennis Leary, <laughs> man. I, I think I took this I, on a so, tangent that I did not. But I do like the tangent here, the, the way you're bringing us back to Dunkirk with the, the timelines. So Memento may not have been the most deep plot, um, but the way that the story was told and kind of gives you that perspective of the confusion that the character that uh, Guy Pierce is playing has because of the memory loss. Um, just phenomenal storytelling and the way that the movie's presented to you, so you can rewatch it and you get to you you pick up on these other 
other aspects and maybe it makes you rethink what actually happened in the movie. Um, we're not going to have that much of a comp- complexity to Dunkirk, but you know Christopher Nolan still did a great job with the kind of time play. Um, you know, as as Sean mentioned, uh, you had the one week on the beach, one day on the boat, and one hour in the air, and you see all these movie, all of these parts start at the same point, and it's it's you know even though that's told to you when they you know in the in the beginning of the movie those timelines are told to you, you don't really see where they actually start interjecting or crossing uh, intersecting um, until maybe half an hour into the movie, maybe a little longer. And it's probably the first night scene on the beach and they're flip flip flopping between a night scene on the beach and some day scenes on the boat and in the air. Um, And then, and then of course, from then it's extremely obvious because you see these events catching up to each other and it's, it's, it's pretty nice to see. And so I'm looking forward to seeing it again, just to kind of, kind of see all that. As, As Sean said, I had an inkling that, you know, that there was something there. And as I mentioned, the, the timeline that the, somebody referencing the timeline in in an article I read got me pretty excited. Just the reminder that this is a Christopher Nolan film uh, from that regard. Um, so I, I, you know, just just awesome to see because this, you know, not the most complex um, plot. Obviously, it's a very serious moment in in, in the World War Two and kind of history, uh, but it, it was a very interesting portrayal of the story um, because if you just present it as a linear story. Um, I don't think it'll have that effect or that impact. And so you also get that sense of, man, that, that's a long day in the air. That's a pr- even longer day on the boat. And you're not even necessarily facing war. You, you just see that, you know, every, every time you go back to the beach, it's just that much more intense because you think about how long they, they're there. And it's um, pretty phenomenal. I, I Just one last question I got to ask. Um, because of the fact that the I was most enthralled by the air part of the film, um, what the fuck happened to Tom Hardy's character? Did he just get like, like I was so pissed. I'm like, he got caught. Like what the hell? Like what the fuck? Um, but yeah, sorry. No, so, so you actually brought uh, up an interesting point, Sean. Because wait, why are you sorry at all for talking? Yeah, no, I just, I just get, I, I just, that, I kind of go off on tangents a lot. So because I like to talk about what I like to talk about, and I don't really care what anybody else is talking about. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is a democracy, Sean. This, this, ain't, this ain't no uh, uh, dictatorship. You follow what we tell you. You got to follow. But I actually like your question. So we're fascism. so we're voting. We're voting. We're, we're voting for your Sean. Yeah. So you actually bring up a good point because you know I was I was questioning how far he was gliding this this Spitfire, and I had to actually <laughs> look this up because I'm sitting there going the U turn. Yeah, I'm the U turn. Yeah, there he was kept going back and forth across the beach. So I mean, he did it. One- yeah, it was pretty. Well, okay. he also shot down a, an enemy fighter by gliding, which while gliding, yeah. So, yeah. you know, hey, it's got wings that can glide. I actually, he didn't I actually had to look this up, and there there were reports that they could glide these these Spitfires about fifteen miles at the speeds they were were taking. So, I'm I'm very intrigued to start looking up on the um, some little extra data on this. But if that's the case, why the shit didn't he not turn the fuck around on the beach and land right where? Um, you know, they were loading other boats with the officers that he, that we showed at the end. I was wondering about that too. And the only thing I can think of is he was worried that, you know, it's not a guaranteed safe landing and he might've been worried about a, a crash that could take out other, um, troops on the beach. There weren't as many then, but there still were some, right. Even towards the end of the movie, they referenced that there's still a fair amount on the beach. 
um, and the French on the beach. But I, I was very curious about that, too. It seemed very much like a, oh, I'm Tom Hardy. I'm a badass. I'll just go get caught because I'm Tom Hardy and I'll be in the next sequel and they'll have a mask over he me. Could've, he could have crashed the plane in the in the ocean or in the in the channel. Like his partner did, yeah. Well, the waves, the waves could have got him. Who knows? But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm trying to be devil's advocate I, for I, making, I, making I, sense. I get you, but, but yeah, I didn't. I was that was, by it as well. It's the Rolls-Royce Merlin engine. <laughs> Those things are the best things made. You hear the purr? It's the best sound these guys, these boys on the on the beach have heard all day. Uh, great quote. Speaking of, I, I, I was thinking there's no product placement for Sean, but there was some. <laughs> Rolls-Royce. Yeah, Rolls-Royce, right? Or <laughs> the they, fact st- that, uh, they still Rolls-Royce, make Rolls-Royce, they still Rolls-Royce make great engine fans. They do. That yeah, they do. They, Still on planes. Uh, also, speaking of that last <laughs> thing before we say like, switch off, <laughs> rest in peace, George. Get, getting hit, getting hit in the point. head. I knew where you were this past week, uh, Peter. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was... Um, Good times. I, I did... So that was actually one of the more emotional pieces to it, actually, Sean. Coming to the end, you know, him dying was kind of like, oh, that sucks, whatever. Um, but the way that the his friend... Um, handle it was pretty pretty phenomenal um pretty impressive for a, a youth and um a youth. it a youth and uh down damn street youths <laughs> um and but it it's kind of like this the overall climax of the movie even when the, the the soldiers were rescued it didn't it didn't it wasn't anticlimactic but it, it was kind of like, okay, this is happening now. It didn't feel like a climax of the movie. For them, it wasn't until they got on the train that it really kind of hit me and they pull into the station. And that's kind of was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but the same thing with George. Um, it wasn't really until he took a picture of him and took him to the um, took it to the local paper to have it published where you're like, that's that's pretty pretty good guy. Pretty good guy for doing that for his friend. And, and kind of, you know, that's when the emotion kind of hit. Uh, not to sound sappy, but uh, that's that's where it felt, you know, more, I guess it, it hit and was real at that point. And, and, you know, you actually bring up an interesting thing is that it's that it's, it's kind of the whole theme of this one movie was that it was, it was kind of tying you to the emotional state of all these people at, at the time it is. So like you had the anxiousness of all the, all the people in the film, whether they're being evacuated or they were doing the evacuations or anything like that, then, you know, you have all these emotional states that you're going through. And for instance, in that, you know, they were feeling like they were not, heroes they were you know they were evacuated until they actually you know pulled into the train station and you know everybody was celebrating their return and you know they read that speech from churchill and it kind of all ties it together at that point you know what i mean so i think that was an intentional thing to delay your reactions or your emotional um feedback to kind of in line with them the whole time like you weren't i I agree i I think that's a good way to put it it was just as it was happening i was kind of like it didn't really I didn't know it was being delayed intentionally. It was just kind of a, eh, we'll see where this goes, what else is going to happen, and then bam, hit you. Um, and just to add, add to that, when they get, there's a lot of subtle things in the movie, um, and when they're going through to the state train station and there's the blind guy handing out, I think, towels or blankets or food, I can't remember what he's handing out, um, and one of the guys remarks that the guy can't even look at him, um, and the the other kid doesn't even te- doesn't bother telling him that he's blind. It's just, it's just a, it's kind of setting that the entire state just solidifying the entire state of all these soldiers because there's such little such little communication throughout the movie between these soldiers and it really makes sense like you're not gonna you're not gonna small talk at this point right and so even something like that you're not gonna waste your breath like no that that guy's just blind he's not he's not being a jackass or anything you're not gonna waste your time you're not gonna it's just you're gonna kind of be quiet it kind of gives you more of that 
feeling of, of uh, the state that they're in and and all that so any last thoughts on uh, on dunkirk before we uh we we end this uh this evening's discussion another good movie from christopher nolan thoroughly enjoyed it definitely recommend going to see it it's not his top top movie by far but it's I, i'd probably put it up close to it's it's hard to say top three but it's close to that it's like either three or four for me but um what about you peter yeah i mean th- thoroughly enjoyed it i think we kind of covered most of the pieces and parts i'm actually looking forward to watching it again and i think we talked about at the beginning i didn't get a chance to see it in imax and i would i would really love to see an imax because i think he does a great job with kind of framing some of the shots and bringing a lot of you know extra emotion to it with the way that it's filmed so so really looking forward to that but yeah i would definitely say um you know as sean said it's a good movie i still don't think it's one of the best movies of the summer but it's still good it's still good so i'd recommend it for folks matt what about you kind of not much to add there if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in IMAX, it's it's definitely worthwhile to see in IMAX. Um, so much of the movie was was shot in that format that you you are missing out quite a bit on the picture, um, and it, it looked it looked glorious. Um, very well done film in, in every aspect of it. And I don't know if you you know if you haven't seen Wonder Woman or Spider Man, it might be easier to recommend those. Um, but this is a very well done movie. If you if you know if you, if you need a World War II fix or a Christopher Nolan fix, um, you know obviously go see it. But if, if you're if you're limiting the movies you're seeing, you, despite this maybe being a more well done uh, picture, it, it Spider Man was just a lot of fun. So if you just want a, a reprieve from everyday life, go go see Spider Man. Um, otherwise, enjoy. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll 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 tie us close with this, uh, but. You know, I was I got asked actually when I when I came back from the movie and asked if I was if I would recommend it and I said, Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those movies where you're thoroughly entertained the entire time. Um, you know, I'm not rushing out and telling everybody and, and you know, Matt actually brings up a good point is that, you know, Spider Man is one of those movies where you're like you're you're walking out and you're like, I, I you, everybody needs to go see this. I think it was a phenomenal movie. This is a if you're interested in World War Two if you're interested in seeing a great movie in terms of visual, um, you know, uh, I guess visual scenes and whatnot. And, you know, uh, it's, it's all, it's an emotional tied kind of movie. I would recommend going seeing this. Um, I, I had, I actually, you know, walked out kind of going, all right, that was actually pretty good. Um, do I want to go see it again? You know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see it when it comes back out, I'll, I'll rewatch it and kind of add it into my, uh, uh, my Nolan collection of movies that I watch, but, uh, yeah, um, just overall very good movie. Well put together. Um, enjoyed a lot of the action sequences that were there. And, you know, Sean mentioned that the, I think the, the, the air, the air fighting or the air warfare was the, the best part about this. And he played him out perfectly. Um, but yeah, that's that's really all I got about that. And, um, in terms, Dave, real quick, in terms of going to see, in terms of going to see it again, I would definitely go recommend, uh, or like not really recommend because I haven't seen it yet. But um, if I do go see it again, it's because I'm going to go see it in 70 millimeters. Yeah. Since you're not going to be able to see that when you go sit in your couch and watch it, so that's the only other way I'd say. If you haven't, if you have the option, I'd say go check it out because of the fact that it's very unique, and I haven't seen it in that, but I, I do want to still. Yeah, if you can see it, you know, again, if you can see it in 70 millimeter IMAX, because they have 70 millimeter non IMAX showings as well, 
uh, if you can see it in 70 millimeter IMAX, even if you hate movies, you should go see it just because it's a, a hell of an experience. Um, and and one thing you guys are talking about the the air sequences and they they were great. I, I don't want to discount the uh, the boat sequence uh, and with Mark Rylance. Uh, that guy's just I don't know where he came from before Bridge of Spies, but that guy's a phenomenal actor. Um, something about this, I was like, man, that guy's totally a dad. That's all. I, every time he did anything, I was like, that's a very dad thing to do. Um, and just, you know, got to give credit there. So just wanted to call that out as well. You know, that, I think that'll that'll close us out on Dunkirk tonight. Um, but uh, as usual, we'll, we'll talk a little quick. We'll do a little quick uh, potent pick before we close ourselves out. So, uh, Sean, real quick, uh, potent picks. Uh, for this week, um, I'd say for my drink this week, I would go ahead and recommend the Dogfish Head Blood IPA. Bought a, a six pack of that; it's pretty solid. It's got a, a good alcohol content, good flavor, um, definitely a good value. Uh, so definitely, so I would say definitely get into that one. But in terms of a something you should watch, because Matt can't quote, uh, he does not quote Caddyshack, and being that this is the anniversary. I would say uh, go watch Caddyshack. It's a great movie, great film, great actors, very good um, comedic timing. Rodney Dangerfield, great comedic performer, kind of under underappreciated by a lot of people, but uh, the the movie itself is definitely a, a classic. So I would say check that out this week. And uh, let me toss this over to uh, Matt since don't want him to be forgotten this week. I don't want to be forgotten any week, Sean. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, watching, uh, I'm gonna you know I was just giving a little praise to uh, Mark Rylance, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Um, supporting actor winner for Bridge of Spies, and I caught that uh, a few I think a couple months ago. Uh, didn't you know I, I missed it when it was in theaters. Very good movie. Definitely check it out. Um, phenomenally phenomenally well done. You know Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks. Uh, just a very very in- enthralling enthralling picture uh so check that out in terms of drinking uh anchor steam uh, san francisco beer um it's one of those ones that i don't think i appreciated it when i had it available to me at all times when i was out in california and um now it's always a treat when it's available it is it is widely distributed but it's still you know not at every bar and things like that so so anchor steam they have a few different uh variants and try them all they've all been good i haven't been disappointed yet what about you peter Yes, I'll just go along the same lines of, you know, war movies. And one that I saw, um, actually, I wish I would have seen it earlier, is Apocalypse Now. So for anybody who has not seen that Great movie. movie. It's guilty. a classic. Guilty. Yeah, it's... I have not seen it? Is I'm that what you're saying? I haven't seen it, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, it's, it's a long movie, oh, wow. but definitely it's worth watching it. Just, go watch just it, to, you have to. Just yeah, to yeah, clarify, should I watch the Redux or the original? I'd go um, Redux. Really? Yeah, okay. I, I think I, so. For some reason, I thought it was the opposite. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, go go watch it for anybody again who has not seen it. You should. It's got you know Marlon Brando in a very iconic role. The movie itself is just a mind trip, and it really, it really portrays what I think it would have been like to to live through the Vietnam era. I mean, obviously, I don't know personally, but you know, given enough content that we've seen through the media and other movies and TV and, you know, learning in school, it just, it's a very raw movie and it's definitely worth seeing. Um, Beyond that, in terms of what to drink, I had a Zilker coffee milk stout today, which is pretty delicious, but 
for folks who aren't in Austin or Texas in general, probably won't be able to get it. So I would just recommend having a milk stout. There's a ton of really good ones. In fact, Left Hand Brewery makes a bunch of good ones that are distributed pretty widely, but um, you don't need to be a coffee fan to like a milk stout. I mean, it's got some coffee notes to it, but in general, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great thing to enjoy. It's again, it's not a summer beer either, but you can drink it in the so summer. It's still good. Every time you say milk stout, I'm thinking you're saying milk steak and I'm thinking of Charlie Day and it's killing me and I have to keep <laughs> like forcing my brain to process it as milk stout, not milk steak. That's also, yeah. that's also a good reference. <laughs> Way to go, Matt. You've been on fire, but uh real quick interjection about apocalypse. Now it's probably one of the, better casts of any film in probably the last 35 years. Um, not only is it Marlon Brando, but you forgot to mention, like, it's got Martin Sheen, Dennis Hopper, Robert Duvall, Harrison Ford, and Robert Duvall has that iconic, like, I love the smell of napalm in the morning line, which is awesome. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Sorry, just wanted to give a layup to, or not a layup, but like a nice nice little uh, second secondary uh, support for uh, Peter. I like it. I like it. No, it's all good. It's all good. Those are all those are all valid points. So definitely, yeah. Go go see it, Matt. If you haven't seen it by next week, if that's not on your list of things you've watched, then I'm gonna be disappointed. End of story. All right, uh, Dave. What about you? Wait, screw screw Dave. Did you guys not include Lawrence Fishburne on that list of actors? Because come on now. I actually forgot about him. Fair. Like terrible. Yeah. Fair. Terrible. Yeah. Sorry, because Sorry. you guys didn't mention him. I was <laughs> I was busy. Uh, no, he's another good actor. But yeah, it's... before. So I don't I don't know the extent to his role. He could be a it could be like a oh you a just totally I am debated. Yeah, you did. Well, I had so, to confirm because you guys didn't reference it. I had to make sure. You, I mean, you shut your you shut your la- face last time I heard, I was told uh, that Christopher Nolan did not direct Insomnia. So I'm very cautious about uh, the things I claim. Hey, we're going to start cataloging things that people did wrong. Let's let's not start because we're going to be another hour and a half. <laughs> Shame. All right, back back to you, Dave. Oh, oh, now y'all let me talk. I, I appreciate that, gentlemen. Um, where I was going to go with is uh, with John Hurd um, with his passing. Great movie that everybody has probably seen, but if you haven't, go see it. Uh, My fellow Americans. Great, great, great movie with Jack Jack Lemon and uh, Dan Aykroyd and James Garner. Have y'all seen this in the past? Great choice. Great choice. A lot of fun. John Hurd plays the inept. Uh, I'm gonna call him the Dan Quayle of the uh, of the movie. And it turns out he's the one who uh, basically, uh, you know, is the the mastermind behind it. So, good little movie. Um, if you get a chance, go watch it. And in terms of a recommendation, real quick for a drink, um, I'm going to stick with the Sam Adams uh, stuff. If you get a chance to head down there, um, or up there rather, go over and visit it. And uh, they're American. Uh, I'm going to botch how this is. It's a, it's a crick or a crike. It's K-R-I-E-K. Uh, basically, it's an ale. Um Basically, this one they kind of sell it as like a almost like a wine esque uh, thing. They they mentioned uh, you know pour it out, you know serve it to your your friends that are winos and see if they can actually taste the difference between um, uh, uh, one of their fancy wines and this particular beer. Um, comes out real good. Um, we drank it the other night. It was delicious. So, uh, but yeah, that's all I got, and uh, I think that'll do us for us tonight. And in and as always, everyone can uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, Potent Pictures, and uh, and as well on Instagram, the same thing. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, still waiting to get that uh, that e- that uh, web address from from Sean, but you can probably just search us on Facebook. It's Dave, Dave. It's it's Potent Pictures. It's just Pictures. Potent Pictures. It's like just easy. search it on Facebook. Yeah. You'll find it. I don't understand the whole Facebook stuff anymore. I'm so far beyond that. Once your parents get on it, it's 
you know, I'm, it's out of my my understanding. But uh, but also, you guys, as always, you can always email us on uh, potentpicturespodcast at gmail dot com, and you know, email us anything you have, comments, you know, questions, corrections. Uh, but other than that, I think we'll uh, that'll do us for tonight. Uh, next week will be uh, Atomic Blonde. Thanks, everybody.